Our Father who art in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to fellowship with you once again. We pray, Father, that you would grant to us that manna from above that will give satisfaction to our hungry souls. Lord, may we receive strength from your word today that we may, by this strength, continue to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. Grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Without him, we cannot understand your word. And also, I pray that you put your words in my mouth, that I may speak as the oracles of God and rightly divide the word of truth. Bless us, O Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 8. God's Hand on the Machinery That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, Thy foundation shall be laid. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 28 The Lord has resources. His hand is on the machinery. When the time came for his temple to be rebuilt, he moved upon Cyrus and his agent to discern the prophecies concerning himself and to grant the Jewish people their liberty. The deliverance of Daniel from the den of lions had been used of God to create a favorable impression upon the mind of Cyrus the Great. As the king saw the words foretelling more than a hundred years before his birth the manner in which Babylon should be taken, as he read the message addressed to him by the ruler of the universe, his heart was profoundly moved and he determined to fulfill his divinely appointed mission. He would let the Judean captives go free. He would help them restore the temple of Jehovah. In a written proclamation published throughout all his kingdom, Cyrus made known his decree, his desire to provide for the return of the Hebrews and for the rebuilding of their temple. Tidings of this decree reached the farthermost provinces of the king's realm and everywhere among the children of the dispersion there was great rejoicing. Many like Daniel had been studying the prophecies and had been asking God for his promised intervention in behalf of Zion. Upon Zerubbabel, Cyrus placed the responsibility of acting as governor of the company returning to Judea and with him was associated Joshua the high priest. The long journey across the desert wastes was accomplished in safety and the happy company at once undertook the work of re-establishing that which had been broken down and destroyed. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. All kings, all nations are his, under his rule and government. His resources are infinite. The wise man declares, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Those upon whose actions hang the destinies of nations are watched over with a vigilance that knows no relaxation by him who giveth salvation unto 
Kings. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is God's Hand on the Machinery. A very interesting one. You see, the events that surrounds the captivity of Israel and God's plan in the salvation of man are worth studying in order for us to have a firm faith and trust in God. As we studied in previous devotions, everything in the world is under God's control and this should give us confidence in Him. We are not to fear. His hand is indeed on the machinery. Daniel had prayed for deliverance and the Lord did not disappoint him. What he read in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord was going to fulfill. Through events that God himself overruled, he brought the attention of the king of Persia to himself. After Daniel was saved from the lion's den, this brought about the inquiry of the king as to who this God is. As we saw in our devotion, this man had said to Daniel, your God deliver you. And he prayed through the night. He fasted. He did not eat. And he saw that God delivered Daniel. But even more remarkable was after he threw in those men who plotted against Daniel, we read and he saw that those lions broke their bones even before they fell into the den. They came and they destroyed them. Who could have done this? It was the God of Daniel. And the king wanted to know who is this God and he knew who he was. If Daniel had not been faithful, he would have lost this opportunity which was actually an answer to his prayer. God used the faithfulness of Daniel in praying to himself alone to bring about an answer to Daniel's prayer for the deliverance of Israel from captivity. God does have a sense of humor, you know. Now that Cyrus knew of Daniel's God, he made further inquiry as to who this God is. Daniel then had an opportunity to tell him of the prophecies of God contained in Isaiah and also of the prophecies that he himself received prior to the overthrow of Babylon. Cyrus read about not only that Babylon was going to be overthrown but about who and how it was to be done and the name of the person and the kingdom that will do it. Concerning the people and their nature, he read the following words of Isaiah concerning how these people were going to disdain the, the treasures of Babylon. In Isaiah 13 verse 17, Cyrus read, Behold, I will stir up the needs against them, that's against Babylon, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Wow. Cyrus read this and he realized that this is exactly what I did. He must have marveled at the strange accuracy of these words. Truly, not just him, but the rest of his people had no regard for silver and for gold that was in Babylon. This was so accurate. He would start to wonder now, was, is my life a movie? Am I just acting out the will of some power over and above me? Certainly he was acting by the whims of a power that was bending his heart his heart as a king is in the hands of god he realized it now and then he read words that also showed how like a bear he decimated babylon to such an extent that it will never be inhabited or rebuilt again in 
verse 18 of the same Isaiah 13, Cyrus continued to read concerning himself and his people, their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb, their eyes shall not spare children, and Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the child's excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, it shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there, and the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant palaces, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. Amen. This is an accurate representation of what he and his people did. How they destroyed Babylon. They did not spare children. They did not care about the women. They brought it low to the point that even he in his time did not make that place his capital. He was dwelling in Persia and in the land of the Medes. But as for Babylon, after they went there, they only went there to destroy it completely. After destroying, they left. All the palaces of Babylon they destroyed. Is it the gold, the silver? They did not care about those things. The people who were there, they did not care. They utterly decimated Babylon and they left. And now Cyrus is reading this, written over a hundred years ago, concerning how Babylon was going to be destroyed. And he is saying, I just fulfilled this without knowing. He didn't know, he just did it. Then he read further to see that over a hundred years ago, his name was even mentioned as the one who was going to do this. In the book of Isaiah 45, reading from verse 1 to 6, he read how God mentioned his name. He says, Thus said the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. This two-leaved gate is referring to the gates of Babylon. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the great gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I the Lord which call thee by thy name am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect. I have even called thee by thy name. I have so named thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee. This, this is God talking directly to Cyrus. But it was written a long time ago, a letter written to Cyrus a long time ago. Now he's reading this love letter from his God. And God said, him, said to him, I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Verse 6 now, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me i am the lord and there is none else amen cyrus saw himself in prophecy he saw his name written in the book of god's prophets long before he was born it was already written cyrus then responded accordingly now that he realized that that gate of babylon it was not him that crushed it that the wisdom that he got in draining the water of the river euphrates to enter into babylon was not of himself and not only the wisdom but the strength and the might with which he and his soldiers used 
to do that was not from himself. There was someone who was working behind the scenes. Remember how Gabriel told Daniel that I am going. I will do the work. God went before Cyrus and did this work. Cyrus now realizes that there is someone above him. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar now, he knew and acknowledged that it was not by his power or by his might that he had ascended to power. He now saw that every act of his life was ordered by providence. The wisdom he had to empty the waters that surrounded the gates of Babylon was not his ingenuity but actually the divine wisdom from above. The might which he had to conquer various nations even before Babylon, he saw was already determined by God. He read a direct message pre-written specially to him in the word of God telling him the next thing that God wanted him to do. It said in Isaiah 44 verse 24 to 28, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish, that confirmeth the word of his servant, and performeth the counsel of his messengers, that saith to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited. And to the cities of Judah ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof. That saith to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers. That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Amen. Before in Isaiah chapter 45, God had said to Cyrus that there is a reason I raised you up. In verse 4, Isaiah 45 verse 4, God addressed this to Cyrus. This is the reason I raised you up. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect. I have even called you, Cyrus, by your name. I have so named thee, though thou hast not known me. Now he must have been wondering, okay, what have you called me for? And then in Isaiah 44, he reads, this is what I have called you for, Cyrus. Isaiah 44 verse 28, God said to him, you are my shepherd. And what I want you to do is that I want you to build the temple. Cyrus now knew what he was supposed to do. He was to ensure that the temple of the Lord, specifically in Jerusalem, is to be rebuilt. In keeping with what he knew that God wanted him to do, he obeyed and wrote a decree concerning it. In Ezra chapter 1, the decree is recorded saying, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven had given me all the kingdoms of the earth. Do you see his word? He didn't say, I have taken over the kingdoms of the earth like Nebuchadnezzar. How did he know that the Lord God, not the God of, not Baal, not Ashtoreth, not Chemosh, not Milcom, not Dagon, but he said, the Lord God of heaven. Amen. Cyrus was a converted man. He had read the books of Isaiah and he knew now, it is not by my strength. It is not by my power. How he must have won that. If I were the one, I will just sit down and think. So all these things I've just been doing has not been by my strength. Somebody has been behind me all this while. And yes, even for us, we should know that if you are being successful, God is the one behind it. As he was behind Nebuchadnezzar, 
but the only thing is will you acknowledge him cyrus a hidden king acknowledged him how about you cyrus said in I Ezra chapter 1 reading from verse 2 he says the Lord God of heaven had given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he had charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem which is in Judah who is there among you of all his people his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah and build a house of the Lord God of Israel he is the God which is in Jerusalem and whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirits God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver with gold, with goods, and with precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those did Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of Mithridat the treasurer, and numbered them unto Sharbazar the prince of Judah. Amen. Thus, Cyrus fulfilled his role in prophecy as a shepherd of God and as his servant. There are not many people who the Lord calls his shepherd for all I know, I think it's Jesus and Cyrus. To show us the type of the work that Cyrus represented for Israel, he was like a messiah for them. He was like a deliverer and that is why God called him the anointed one. Cyrus, my shepherd, my servant. God called him all these names. Anointed, shepherd, servant. He did a wonderful work. And he is a type of Jesus in the sense of the work that he did. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to set the captives free. Just as Jesus also began his ministry by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to, set, to uh, heal the wounded and to let the captives go free. That's exactly how the Spirit of the Lord, like, Sam, like Cyrus said in Ezra chapter 1, reading from verse 1 there, it says that the Spirit of the Lord stirred up Cyrus, so also it stirred up Jesus, and they both did the work of delivering the captives. Like Cyrus, at times, we read the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy, and there we see things that are verily showing us our life's history. All that is left is for us to see our own names written there. Sometimes we can even see something close to our names. Sometimes I see Brother K written there. And maybe you are there and your name starts from I and you see Brother I. And it looks as if exactly that thing that is being addressed to Brother I, Brother G, Brother C, whatever is there, is being addressed to you directly. The Lord has written to us as he wrote to Cyrus. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 257, paragraph 4. As the king saw the words, foretelling more than a hundred years before his birth the manner in which Babylon should be taken, as he read the message addressed to him by the ruler of the universe, his heart was profoundly moved, and he determined to fulfill his divinely appointed mission. He would let the Judean captives go free. He would help them restore the temple of Jehovah. End of quote. Amen. This is exactly our response. This is what our response should be. As Cyrus' heart was profoundly moved and then he became determined to fulfill his divinely appointed mission. Do you read the word of God and see 
something concerning yourself there? Do you read the spirit of prophecy and you see that this thing written here is just for me and this is what I supposed to do? My heart should be profoundly moved to fulfill my divine mission. I have had the experience as I was reading the book, Messages to Young People, Early Writings, and I see the experiences written there and it just tallies with mine. Or you read the book, Pilgrim's Progress, and you see, even before you have spoken with the Lord, the Lord has already written down your story. The only thing that is there, the only thing that is missing is your name. It's just as if it is my own life that is written. And then, wherever I stop, how I met the story, I continue from there realizing, oh, I have a divine mission to fulfill. We must understand this. But then, the Lord has written to us almost 2,000 years ago through the book of Revelation. John the prophet wrote about us in our time. And we need to be divinely moved. We need to be profoundly moved to fulfill our divine mission. Written in the book of Revelation chapter 3 from verse 14 to 22 is a letter to us just as a letter was written to cyrus this letter was written to you who are listening to me it was a letter god wrote long before you were born and he knew what your condition will be and he wrote it so that you can be profoundly moved so that you will fulfill your divine mission jesus said in the book of revelation 3 reading from verse 14 and unto the angel of the church of the laudations write these things say the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of god what do you think the lord wants to tell you before i go on to read it i want you to understand that i mean what i say this thing here the laudations is referring to the last day church we are the ones that is addressed to there were seven churches in the book of revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. the last church laodicea is defined as the church of the judgment and god wrote a letter to them to us to me to you take it personal this letter that jesus wrote whatever he says believe it and then whatever he says you should do do it knowing that he is telling you your divine mission your heart should be profoundly moved as Jesus tells you about yourself. And what does he have to say? Verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now, this is God describing your condition to you and to me, and I agree with it 100% that this is what I am, wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. But there is hope for us. The Lord now tells us what our divine mission is to be. He says in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, 
let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Do you have an ear? Do you hear what the Spirit is saying to you, the church? Then awaken like Cyrus. You know, Cyrus had a choice. Do not think that he was also forced, like God was leading him all this way, and even now, God then made sure that he built that temple. No. Cyrus was yielding to the Spirit of the Lord. It was not by force that he did what he did. Look at Nebuchadnezzar, for example. Did he yield? When Daniel told him clearly that you are the head of gold and God was the one that placed everything under you, did Nebuchadnezzar acknowledge God? No, he did not. Even after Daniel told him directly, God met Nebuchadnezzar in a very startling and striking manner, more striking than that of Cyrus. He had a dream. God invaded his privacy gave him a dream and took the dream from him and troubled his mind so much that he wanted to kill all the magicians and astrologers and Chaldeans in his province. But Daniel dreamt, or I say received the dream and told him what the dream was and interpretation. This was remarkable. And then he told him clearly, God is the one that gave you the kingdom. But did Nebuchadnezzar yield? No. So also with you. You are reading about yourself in the word of God. You see things that apply to you. God is saying to you, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. And it is true. But will you agree? Will you be Cyrus or will you be Nebuchadnezzar? Will you make it difficult for God till he humbles you and you respond? Or will you be like other kings like Zedekiah who even though Jeremiah told him what to do and God tried to humble him yet he didn't listen and yet he was and finally he was destroyed. You can either be any of these three categories but I want to be like Cyrus that will respond immediately to the divine mission that the Lord has given me that my spirit will be profoundly stirred up and I will respond and say yes I am wretched Lord bring that gold bring the eye salve for me and clothe me with right raiment I will yield to the Lord this prophecy in Revelation 3 verse 14 to 22 is referring to us our own time and this is what God sees about us but God has a plan he is doing a work of sealing his people at this time and only those who see themselves in this company of people who are wretched miserable poor blind and naked only them who realize this and do what Jesus says you should do, which is what? Be zealous and repent. Only those who do this will understand and will be sealed. Like Cyrus, they will see their names among those of whom it shall be said of, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. If we see that this is referring to us, we will, like King Cyrus, move on to do the things that we read about those who are to be sealed. And no, God has told us the people who are to be sealed, the people who would buy this gold and white raiment and eyes out, there's something they are going to do. But in order for us to know what we are to do in detail, God has sent us another message delineating what our time is and what we are to do. This is a message received, a vision of the shaking. In Testimonies, Volume 1, page 179, paragraph 3, the, the prophet of the Lord says, I was shown the people of God and saw them mightily shaken. Some with strong faith and agonizing cries were pleading with God. So what do we read now? This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Praying, pleading with God with agonizing cries for my sins. Going on, it says, their countenances were pale and marked with deep anxiety, expressive of their internal struggle. 
firmness and great earnestness were expressed in their countenances while large drops of perspiration fell from their foreheads now and then their faces would light up with the marks of god's approbation and again the same solemn earnest anxious look would settle upon them evil angels crowded around them pressing their darkness upon them to shut out jesus from their view that their eyes might be drawn to the darkness that surrounded them and they distrust god and next murmur against him their only safety was in keeping their eyes directed upward so what do we learn this is about me i'm reading now what my divine mission is my only safety is to keep my eyes directed upward angels of god had charge over his people and as the poisonous atmosphere from the evil angels was pressed around these anxious ones the heavenly angels were continually wafting their wings over them to scatter the thick darkness going on now it says something sad some i saw did not participate in this work of agonizing and pleading they seemed indifferent and careless they were not resisting the darkness around them and it shut them in like a thick cloud the angels of god left these and i saw them hastening to the assistance of those who were struggling with all their energies to resist the evil angels and trying to help themselves by calling upon god with perseverance but the angels of god left those who made no effort to help themselves and i lost sight of them as the praying ones continued their earnest cries a ray of light from jesus would at times come to them to encourage their hearts and light up their countenance end of quote so this is a letter a vision written about us but there are categories of people like i said you can either be like zedekiah who will not even respond like we're reading now some people did not pray they did not agonize so they did not receive any light and the angels of god left them is that what you will be or would you be like the cyrus's who prayed and agonized and received light from heaven that even though we live in a world of darkness with the evil angels coming to surround us with this darkness yet as we keep praying the Lord will send his light to press through that darkness and we will receive his approbation it is left for us to choose what we will where we will be but to go further what does this vision actually mean from page 181 paragraph 1 we are told I asked the meaning of the shaking I had seen and was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the Laodiceans. This will have its effect upon the heart of the receiver and will lead them to exalt the standard and pour forth the straight truth. Some will not bear this testimony. They will rise up against it and this will cause a shaking among God's people. Amen. End of quote. So, what is this about? This is for the Laodiceans. That is why this vision is complementing Revelation 3. The message, the letter that God wrote to you. God has further explained what that Revelation 3 is. The straight testimony is going to cause a shaking. We need to ask ourselves what part of this prophecy we are fulfilling. Are we going to be among those who will exalt the standard? Or are we among those who like Babylon will rise up against a straight testimony? Continuing the reading, it says, The testimony of the true witness has not been half-heeded. The solemn testimony upon which the destiny of the church hangs has been lightly esteemed, if not entirely disregarded. This testimony must work deep repentance, and all that truly receive it will obey it and be purified. Amen. 
Remember what Jesus said in Revelation 3, Be zealous therefore and repent. What is it that will work this repentance? It is a straight testimony. Those who heed it, it will work deep repentance in them. And what is the straight testimony? God is going to be telling you, look, you are living a life of sin. You have neglected Sabbath reform. You are breaking the Sabbath. I want to be very plain to let us know because sometimes we hear straight testimony, straight testimony because it's shaking. What is a straight testimony? Let me tell you, the straight testimony is simple. The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. That is the street testimony. That is the present truth. It is a practical message. It is not just prophetic things that are telling us what the mark of the beast is, who the beast is, Sunday law and all of that. Those are the secondary things. The primary part of the third angel's message, which is the street testimony, is this the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Have you studied the commandments? When you study it, you realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. And if you are like Cyrus, you will say, this is me. And God is speaking to me here. I need to pray. I need to agonize. I need to be zealous and repent. But some people will not listen when you tell them, look, brother, you are not keeping the Sabbath like you should. Look, sister, you are not doing what you ought to do with respect to health reform. Brothers and sisters, the straight testimony tells you about your dress, about your diet, about the Sabbath reform, about how you conduct yourself in your business, about how you conduct yourself with others. It talks about the whole commandments of God. It tells you about how you should reverence God in his house. It tells you about how you should conduct your business practices without covetousness. It tells you how you should conduct yourself as to avoid adultery. It tells you how you should remove your hands from betting and all those other schemes of networking here and there that does not add product that does not add value to somebody else when you are involved in those businesses where you would do this networking and somebody is getting money but another person is not getting you are dependent on somebody else's loss for you to gain the street testimony cuts across all of these practices some people will not like to hear it they will rise up against it when you tell them that their dress is not in harmony with the word of God. They will rise up against it when you tell them that they are not in harmony with God in the way they are keeping the Sabbath because they cook on that day, they work on that day, they transport on that day. They don't like to hear it. This is a straight testimony, but where will you be? Are you among those who like Nebuchadnezzar or like Zedekiah will not listen when you have seen yourself in the prophets, prophecies of God? Or are you like Cyrus? Who would understand and say my spirit is stirred up the lord is speaking to me here i have a work to do and i will not fail to do that work it is left with us to respond how we should either like zedekiah or like cyrus or like nebuchadnezzar anyone you want to fall into but the lord wants us to be like king cyrus so that his machinery will work in us and he will stir up our hearts you can rebel god cannot force you you can rebel. Cyrus could have rebelled. He yielded. Zedekiah rebelled. Nebuchadnezzar rebelled for a while and the Lord humbled him and he responded. But let us all be like King Cyrus. What will be the result of it if you heed the straight testimony? Now we are told in vision. In Testimonies Volume 1, page 182, paragraph 2, it says, I heard those clothed with the armor speak forth the truth in great power. It had effect. Okay, in Testimonies, Volume 1, page 181, paragraph 3, it says, Said the angel, List ye, soon I heard a voice that sounded like many musical instruments, 
all in perfect strings, sweet and harmonious, it surpassed any music I had ever heard. It seemed to be so full of mercy, compassion, and elevating holy joy, it thrilled through my whole being. Said the angel, look ye. My attention was then turned to the company I had seen, who were mightily shaken. I was shown those whom I had before seen weeping and praying with agony of spirit. The company of guardian angels around them had been doubled, and they were clothed with an armor from their head to their feet. They moved in exact order, firmly like a company of soldiers. Their countenances expressed the severe conflict which they had endured, the agonizing struggle they had passed through. Yet, their features, marked with severe internal anguish, now shone with the light and glory of heaven. They had obtained the victory and it called forth from them the deepest gratitude and sacred holy joy. And furthermore, it says that they were clothed with the armor to speak forth the truth in great power and it had effect. And I saw those who had been bound, some wives had been bound by their husbands and some children had been bound by their parents. The honest who had been held or prevented from hearing the truth now eagerly laid hold of it. All fear of their relatives was gone. The truth alone was exalted to them. It was dearer and more precious than life. They had been hungering and thirsting for truth. I asked what had made this great change. An angel said, It is the latter rain, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, the loud cry of the third angel. End of quote. Amen. I would be lying to you if I tell you that I have not experienced this. I remember when I was reading this years ago and I said I know my duty because the Spirit of the Lord had stirred my heart and I was seeing myself in the spirit of prophecy. God describing my condition of wretchedness, misery, blindness and nakedness. I needed the Lord. And then as I kept on reading, I read this shaking about the street testimony. I realized how angels, evil angels were bringing darkness around me. And I saw that one thing that was hindering me was this fear of relatives and friends and all of that. But here I read what my duty was to be. The Lord said that these people who had broken the chains that held them, it was because they, these chains were chains of their friends and relatives, husbands and wives. They were bound to these things and they shook it off. The straight testimony had woken them up and the Lord sent the latter rain to them and they stood up and they walked in great power preaching the truth. This is how we should respond to the letter God has written to us today. God wrote a letter to Cyrus. He responded well. Will you respond? Will you be among those who do not pray and agonize and the angels of God will leave you? Or will you be among those who will pray and agonize and the angels who are with you will, re will now double and then you will receive the latter rain and eventually you will bring forth the straight truth and it will have an effect on those who hear it. May the Lord help us to be among those who would respond like Cyrus to the letter that the Lord has written to us. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you love us so much that you have written a letter to us even before we were born, addressed directly to our own condition. We pray, Lord, that our hearts shall not be hard, that we shall not be stubborn, but that like Cyrus, our spirit shall be stirred up 
to respond to do the things that you have written to us that we should do forgive us our sins help us to continue to agonize for our sins that we will continue to persevere that we will receive the straight testimony and not rise up against it that we will change our lives and be zealous and repent Please help everyone who is listening now. They have their own challenges in their own lives and they want you to come in and help them. Lord, grant us the eye salve that we may see our true condition. Grant us the gold of faith that we may lay hold of your promises and clothe us with the white robes of righteousness that our nakedness will not be seen. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. May the glory of the Lord endure Be glad.